to Totalus Rankium. This week, Anthemius. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And we are on episode 81. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just showing off my new, my new sexy gravelly voice. Yeah. <laughs> due to shouting all afternoon. <laughs> so, fun afternoon though. Oh, yeah. Um, as you know, my school been doing the Romans. What about the Romans? Yeah. And they've been making their own Roman shields past like a month because we spent not very much time on it. And we tested them this afternoon, so we had them marching in, in, in different ways and performing different, you know, different ways of protecting themselves. Tortoise kind yes, of manoeuvres. that was one, yeah. 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 And, and us four members of staff just stood there pelting them with water balloons <laughs> to see how successful they were. <laughs> nice. It was great. That's great. We did SATS tests. Oh, that's nice as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, we, we were acting the part of uh, barbarians. My partner teacher said they were Anglo-Saxons. I was like, oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> nice. Exactly. I laughed in his face. Yeah. Oh, you know, he, he, you're now listening to all the episodes. Yeah. And uh, I got a bit too into it. <laughs> <laughs> Hence a bad throat. Yeah. Oh, well. But at least you got a nice grambly voice for the episode. Yeah. That's good. So anyway, as I was saying, this is episode 81. Yes. And Themius. He's the that guy, isn't he? You've got no idea. No. You? Do you, How, do how's, you... how's he going to do after Emperor Rickimer? Emperor Rickmer's still around. Of course, yeah. He didn't die. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're starting to get into it. Shall we just... Shall we go in? Let's, let's dive in. do this? Head first. Let's do it. Okay, quick recap then. Petronius took over after assassinating Valentinian III. Yep. Petronius died. Vandals kidnapped Eudoxia and her daughters. Yeah. Avitus took over with support from the Goths. Majorian and Rickimer kicked him out of office, turned him into a bishop. Majorian <laughs> got Dalmatia and Marcellinus back into the empire, settled the Gauls, took back Spain, lost Gesseric and the Vandals, and then was killed by Rickimer. Yeah. That was a busy time for him. <laughs> yes, it until was. Until it stopped being busy. Yeah. Yes. Rickimer and his supporters placed Severus III on the throne. Who? It says Severus III in my notes. There must have been a third one at some point. I remember being a Severus and a Severus II, but I don't... To be honest, I don't really remember much of Severus II. <laughs> he was equally useless. Actually, was he as useless? No, we no. knew some stuff about him. Yeah. Um, so, Severus III did nothing at all whilst Rickham had dealt with Majorian's loyal generals, Nepos, now retired. Yeah. Agidius, now dead. And Marcellinus. Marcellinus, right at the end of last week, if you remember this, was heading back to Sicily, but Rickmer didn't know why. Yes. Mysterious yes. journey. As with last week, there was a period after the death of Severus III where there was no emperor in the West. Power vacuum. Yeah, this time lasts a couple of years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to cover that period first. <laughs> Even if you said, I think, oh, it's probably a few days. But... No, no. Yeah. This, well, the last one was a couple of months. Now it's a couple of years. Okay. People are starting to realise you really don't need an emperor in the West. Yeah, we're fine over here. No. Well, they're not. <laughs> no, we're <yeah>. not fine. <laughs> well, the barbarians are fine. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's cover this couple of years first, and then once we've uh, covered that, we'll look at Anthemius. Yeah. So, Emperor is dead. Hang on. That's the bell sound. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I should probably say for the listener's benefit. Jamie is very proud of himself because he's purchased himself a £10 keyboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he can now do the deaf gongs. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So the Emperor's dead. Done the bongs. Carry done on. the bongs. Let's carry on. Who should replace him? I'm Themius. Well, yes, but let's figure out how we go okay. there, shall right. we? Bit of suspense, Jamie, come on. Rickamer and his supporters appear to be fully in charge at this point, and it would also appear that Rickamer was in no rush to find a replacement to Severus III. Maybe no one had noticed he was dead. <laughs> so, who? <laughs> we had an emperor. Ah. And he's dead, you say? Ah. Sucks to be him. Do we, do we need a new one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some historians theorise that Rickamer asked Leo at this point if he could rule in Leo's name. Mm -hmm. Not as emperor, but as a general. Uh, Little evidence of this, though, but it is one theory put forward. Just because there's no emperor, however, did not mean that people were not speculating on who would become emperor. There were a few names being thrown around the imperial water cooler at break time. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard? (laughs) You heard? Yeah. Option number one. Who's going to be the emperor? Is it going to be Alibrius? Ooh. Who's he? Did mention him briefly last week. He is the husband to Placidia, daughter of Eudoxia. Yes. Yes, she was the one who was married to Alibrius but then kidnapped. (laughs) Alibrius is hanging around in Constantinople at this point. Placidia was returned to Constantinople, remember? Last episode. So she's now back with her husband. Oh, I bet he's happy. Yeah. So he's there. He is... The last link to the Theodosian dynasty. Really? Well, he's married to a Theodosian woman. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. so it's a weak link, uh, but it's a link. Mm. Yeah. However, he's also seen as a potential puppet to, to Gesseric and the Vandals, because he is related through marriage to Gesseric. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. A, a weak link. Yeah. So Alibrius is married to Placidia. Placidia's sister, Eudocia, mm. is married to... Hunneric, who's yeah. Gesseric's son. Yeah, yeah, okay. Tenuous. Yeah. <laughs> but still, there's definitely a link there. And people, especially wary. especially the ones around the water cooler, there's <laughs> something to gossip about. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that was just number one, because there was another name being floated around, whispered who about. Who is it? Who have you heard? Marcellinus. Who? You know, Marcellinus. Oh, the general guy. The general guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one yeah. with the big sword. Yeah, the one who got really scared when all his troops disappeared and yeah. started to doubt the existence of anything. Oh, he's the one in that padded room, isn't he? Yes, he's, he's that one. <laughs> he's working for Leo now. Maybe Leo yeah. would place him in the West as a puppet. Mm. However, Marcellinus had actively worked against Rickmer in the past mm. and openly denounced him. So Rickmer hated this idea. Rickmer's standing in the corner of this office room listening to the gossip. <laughs> he ran around the, the next walls, yeah. near to the wall, then. Shaking his head in disgust. Oh my goodness! Not anything but Marcellinus. Incidentally, he hates the idea of Alibrius being in charge okay. as well. Because what, any, I'll get anyone but him. Oh, well, possibly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a third one. Maybe he prefers Ooh. this because apparently there was whispers of Anthemius. 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 Who's he? He's Marcian's son-in-law. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the old emperor in the east. Oh, he had yeah. a son-in-law. Yeah. Some said Marcion wanted Anthemius to be emperor after him, but the general behind the throne in the east, Aspar, had managed to get Leo in instead. So maybe Anthemius hmm? would make a good emperor of the west instead. I'll tell you what, don't do a wager. Go on then. I'll put money on uh, Marcellinus. Okay. Who are you going to put money on? Anthemius. Alright, 50 sesterces. Deal. Okay, let's.
says who wins. Why are we whispering? We're at the water cooler. And it's Rickham that keeps listening to us. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Go away. They're timing out breaks. It's got really serious here. <laughs> And they go back and log into their phones. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Roman Empress. <laughs> <laughs> so, another thing about Enthemius, he was the childhood friend of Marcellinus, incidentally. Ooh. Yes. Uh, part of the ruling class. Kind of made him hard to control, however, because he was a member of the elite. Rickham hated that idea. So he does hate anyone that's not him. Pretty, pretty much, okay. yeah. Although these rumours must have played on his mind, however, Rickamer was far more concerned with just keeping the West stable at this point. That's good, though. There's bigger Focus. things to worry about. Good news and bad, however. Good news was that Rickamer found out why Marcellinus was in Sicily. He was there from orders from Leo, but not to mess about with the politics, but to start dealing with the Vandals. Okay. Yeah. We'll go into this more in Leo's episode, but Leo had decided that enough was enough with the Vandals and was starting to test out the Vandal strength. Uh, yeah, so that's good for Rickema. Yeah. Doesn't need to worry about the Vandals as much. It's true. Leo and Marcellinus are sorting it. Hey. Marcellinus kicked the Vandals off Sicily yet again. However, Gesseric, not too happy about this, starts raiding further east. Nice. Now, how he's been raiding South Italy non stop for the last few years. <laughs> what do you why, think? Not? why not try Greece out for a bit? some of the islands over there. I hear they have some lovely pottery. Yeah, exactly. Let's go and check that out, thinks Gasseric. So Leo suddenly finds that he's being raided. Rickmer suddenly finds that he's not being invaded. Oh, so that's no. good for Rickmer. <laughs> Great news for him. Bit of breathing room, because he's also got some bad news in. Ah. Theoderic too. So mm. the Theoderic we've been talking about. Yeah. King of the Goths. <gasps> Ally to Rickmer. Remember, he allied himself to Theoderic last week. <laughs> the keyboard's coming out. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Was dead. <laughs> You've been waiting all week to use this, haven't you? I have been. Yes. I even relearned to play that just so I could play that. <laughs> Is that what Gilbert learnt to play on the gong? Can you play that on a gong? Gongs are sort of one-tone instrument. You need multiple instrument. gongs. Has he got multiple gongs? Dick Van Dyke style. Okay, like a drum on his <laughs> back. He's got one band band. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple the... gongs on the shoulders. <laughs> really sinister version of Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Who'd have just died? I've completely forgotten. <laughs> Dear too. That's it. Yeah. Now, if you remember last week, Theoderic's brother, Frederick, yes. was killed in battle. Fred. Well, turns out Theoderic has another brother called Yorick. Is he another brother from his same mother? Quite possibly, yes. Yeah. The theory goes that Yorick was the black sheep of the family who saw an opportunity when his brother Fred died. He could now become heir. In fact, why not go all the way and just become king? Yorick had Theoderic assassinated and took his place. Oh, so he killed his own brother? Yeah, Yorick kills Theoderic, who's been in charge for quite a while now. And Yorick is now in charge. Mm. This leaves Rickmer with a new Gothic king to deal with, and the fighting in Gaul was not slowing down. Remember, all the Goths are fighting all the Franks, with the Romans kind of mixed in between them. Yes. So all that's going on. Now, Rickmer had hoped with the death of Egidius at the end of last episode 
that things would settle down in the region, but Egidius's son, who's named Seagrius, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, had taken over and was doing a good job at keeping the friendly Franks fighting. That's good. And if, I believe I mentioned Childeric came back as well. Yeah? Yeah. No, I did. I remember. He, yeah, was, no. very, he was very chilled out about yeah. the prospect of coming back. Yeah. yeah. Uh... So the Franks are still fighting the Goths up north, but the trouble is, Rickmer doesn't really know if this allegiance he had with Theoderic still stands. Mm. So things were a bit dicey. So, to sum up the problems facing Rickmer, he still has vandals in Africa to deal with, but they are a bit busy with the East at the moment, so that's not as bad as it used to be. Spain is still under Gothic control, but with a new unknown king. And Seagrius was causing trouble in northern Gaul with the friendly Franks, claiming that this was a Roman province still. Mm -hmm. We've not abandoned the empire, we just don't recognise Ricimer as having any power. So, in revolt. It was at this time that Ricimer received word. Leo had made a decision. And Themius was coming to Italy, and he would be the new emperor. Oh, damn it. Here's your 50. <laughs> Rickham going, oh, I didn't want him. Or anyone, <laughs> in fact. Uh. Yes. Rickham hates the idea. And now we switch to Anthemius, because it's his episode and not Rickham's. I'm going to try my hardest to follow his perspective and not just Rickham's. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. But actually, we do have a bit more detail with okay. Anthemius than we've had recently, because he was Eastern, born in Constantinople, so the historians in Constantinople actually cared enough to write about him, <laughs> unlike the other ones, where they just went, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so born in around 420 in Constantinople, he was called Procopius Anthemius, and he came from a very distinguished family. That name sounds way too short for an emperor. What, Procopius Anthemius? Yeah, two names. I know, it's it's weird, isn't it? Maybe he had some hidden, kept in a drawer, didn't let anyone see them. Bit shy. Yeah. Get that out on special occasions. Maybe they were just really embarrassing names. <laughs> like Pupianus. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Procopius. Pupianus. Uh, <laughs> We've actually covered a number of his family already. You just don't know it. Oh, because you're not a poet. Oh, you can be a poet if you want. Let's look at his distinguished family, shall we? First of all, was Philippus. Remember Philippus? Yeah. Phil. No, no you don't. Emperor Phil. No, that, not that one. Oh, then no. There is no way you'd remember this Philippus. I had to look up in my notes and went, oh yeah, we did cover him. <laughs> this was the Praetorian prefect under Constantius II, okay. who helped put down a usurpation at some point. Okay. And we did actually talk about him. I've just forgotten because he was very much a bit player. But there you go. He's a, an ancestor of Anthemius. Okay. Next, we dealt with another one of his ancestors, Procopius. Cousin of Julian. Oh, okay. He was the usurper in Valens' episode. I remembered him a little bit better. Yeah. Valens, when he became emperor, had to deal with this usurper who ran around a bit saying, I'm the emperor, and then went into Constantinople yeah. and no one really believed him and then he ended up being killed. Yeah. So, there you go. It is what it is. That's one of Anthemius's other ancestors. And then finally, more recently, this is the one you probably will recognise, was Anthemius. Yeah. The Praetorian prefect of Theodosius II, this is the man who built the Theodosian walls. Ah, okay. Who was a really good Praetorian prefect, and at the start of Theodosius II's reign, pretty much ruled everything very successfully. You got the feeling he was a very good Praetorian prefect. He reorganised all the grain shipping, and was 
sorted out the diplomacy with the Persians. And single-handedly built the walls. Single-handedly built the walls. Everything was going well. That's our Anthemius's granddad. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so quite recent, that one. So, impressive family. They go back a while. They've been in the story In the Shadows. <gasps> in the Shadows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At a young age, he went to Egypt, and he studied in Alexandria. And when he was there, he met another young man, another aristocrat, named Marcellinus. Ooh. Yeah, so they're childhood friends. You said that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. We don't know what happened to him next, but presumably he moves back to Constantinople at some point, because we see him there again in the future. <laughs> so that's using my inference skills. <laughs> it's great deductive work reasoning. Yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah. In 453, he's about 33 at this time, he manages to attract the attention of Marcion, the emperor at the time. Not sure how. Just waved, said Cooey. Cooey! Hello! Marcion was looking for a husband for his daughter. Strapping young lad. Great band. Is that a band? They were. Were they? You wouldn't like them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anthemius was clearly impressive enough because, soon enough, he was married to the emperor's daughter. Anthemius is now the son-in-law to Emperor Marcion. Oh. Now in the royal family, Anthemius was promoted to count and was sent to the Danube area with the mission of rebuilding the defences. Remember, this is just after Attila's death. Mm. So the Danube area is in ruins. Because <laughs> Attila's been in through there a few times recently. Yeah. So someone's got to clean up that mess and it falls to Anthemius. <laughs> just walks down and says, there's nothing left. <laughs> there's nothing left. When you said to rebuild, I kind of... I pictured some, like, damaged houses and stuff, but this is just a field with weeping <laughs> peasants in it. <laughs> what do you want from me? There are no bricks left. There's <laughs> just half a cow and a duck. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> <laughs> but despite all the best around him, he was, a, he was a go get them kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, so he spent a year rebuilding, gaining experience. That's good. That would be quite good experience, though, because you're literally building a society from scratch, so you've got to have your... <laughs> You've got to have your hand in everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you've got to sort everything out. So it's, it's a good experience. Yeah, definitely. You, you've got to rebuild what everyone's lost. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're exaggerating with the field with the duck and half a cow. There's probably more than that. But things yeah. definitely would have been in dire straits. Definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> My first instruction, get rid of that cow. Yeah. <laughs> it's freaking everyone out. It's gone green. <laughs> So, he then heads back to Constantinople. He's given the title of Patrician and Master of the Armies. Mm. So, pretty good at this point. And then Consul with the Western Emperor Valentinian III in 455. Ooh, okay. You don't get much higher than that, title-wise. Consul, Patrician, mm. Master of Armies. So he's doing very, very well. He must be thinking, like, this is the highest I'll ever get. There's no other title that is possible for me to get. I am winning in life. And then, in 457, his father-in-law, Marcion, dies. So maybe he started thinking something else. Because, let's face it, the East has no emperor. Mm. Marcion has no sons. Mm. But he has a son-in-law. Who's very, very successful. Very capable, very popular. Mm. There was a lot of talk about Anthemius becoming the emperor, as we did cover at the end of Marcion's episode. Mm. He had rapidly been promoted through the ranks. He's obviously been groomed for power here. He's also the only remaining male in the Theodosian line at the time through marriage. Elibrius becomes another one later, yeah. as I've mentioned. However, the General Aspar at the time is the most powerful general in the East. And he's powerful in the same way Rickham is powerful in the West. Ooh, okay. Yeah, he's 
might not be the power behind the throne completely, but he's definitely an influential figure. He's pulling strings. He sounds interesting. Yes, we will cover Aspar more in the O's episode. Because Aspar doesn't want Anthemius in charge in the East. As I've mentioned before, Anthemius mm. is from the elite class. He will be hard to control. So, Aspar makes sure that one of his own lowly generals, a man named Leo, is promoted to emperor. Ooh. So we've now got one of Aspar's men in charge. That certainly implies that he might be trying to pull the strings. Well, we'll find out in Leo's episode, we will. I'll take his away. So Anthemius loses out here, but he's not a sore egg. That's not a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say there? He's not a uh, sore loser. Bad egg? Bad egg, yeah. 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 Right, he's, no, he's not a sore egg anyway. <laughs> he doesn't... Oh, I hurt my, hurt my yolk. <laughs> yeah. He's not sitting around moaning. And Themius carries on working for this new emperor. So he's working for Leo as a master of the armies, controlling some of the troops, generally yeah. getting some stuff done. As far as we can tell, there's no major fallings out whatsoever here. Yeah. That's nice to know. And for the next decade, Anthemius runs the army in the east. Wow. Well, part of the army. It's not just him. Obviously, Aspar is the most influential person. I mean, I, I know we talked about this, like, the east is relatively settled now. Mm, we're going to it. Relative, compared to the west. Better than the west, but the Huns didn't magically disappear when Attila died. True. They just yeah. became disorganised, so there were still lots of Huns. Mm. And still good fighters. Still good fighters. And also, as mentioned, was it last week? Maybe the week before... The Ostrogoths. Yes, the Australian Goths are around. <laughs> You've brought all the props today. <laughs> what's, what's that I hear? <laughs> the Ostrogoths. Did you get that just for the Ostrogoths? Yes. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> you, it's only three quid. You've had a busy week. I have had a very busy week. <laughs> No, I used to have one, um, the used one with my grandmother. She used to play it quite well, apparently. Oh, does she? Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice. It's, I'm telling my wife it's sentimental. <laughs> we know it's for the podcast. Yes, definitely. Nice. So the Ostrogoths are around as well. And all of them are kicking up trouble over these ten years. Yes. I don't want to go into this in too much detail. I'm going to save it for season two when we're looking more into the East. But just know Anthemius is definitely fighting at this point. We know that he defeats the Ostrogoths in battle. And we also know that he defeats a group of Huns who had managed to capture a city. That's really good. Yeah. The Huns take the city, and Themius catches up with them and sieges the city. After a long siege, the Huns decide to go out of the city and fight in open battle. Yeah. And just before battle starts, Anthemius's leader of the cavalry turns to him and says, See ya! What? And trots off. Over to the Hun side. What? Yes. And Themius is utterly betrayed by his cavalry unit. Just not, not the lead, like the, the whole group. The whole group. He loses his cavalry moments before the battle. That's awful. That's, that's not what you want, is the it? The trouble is that there must have been some behind-the-scenes things going on with the Huns and him, though. Because oh, otherwise that's... they'd see these, this cavalry marching towards <laughs> them. Kill them! You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the um, the cavalry commander was actually of Hunnic descent himself. Okay. So some people point at that. But yeah, so there's um, a bit of betrayal there. And Themius is suddenly looking dicey. He loses a major part of his forces. However, in an amazing victory, 
against the odds, his infantry were able to win the battle for him. Nice. The Huns are defeated and pushed back. So there you go. <laughs> the cavalry general coming back afterwards. Uh, the plan worked, sir. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you about it, just in case, but... Let them into a false sense of security, you see? <laughs> uh, don't kill my family. <laughs> You'd be so annoyed, wouldn't you? <laughs> Damn it. Anthemius is doing pretty well. Yeah. Yes. Around this time, news comes through from the West. Big news. Severus III was dead. <laughs> Oh, that's not the bell sound. Hang on. <laughs> oh, you can really tell the difference between the bell and what was the other one? Uh, piano. Or <laughs> do an organ. See, so, yeah, people say I don't contribute to this podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll stop saying that. <laughs> So yeah, Severus III is dead. After everyone sat down and discussed this for many hours, they finally figured out who Severus III was. <laughs> who? <laughs> Apparently it's important. Uh, you did, had to... Well, let's, let's find him on his bus, then we'll know. <laughs> oh, we didn't have any. No bus. Your uncle died recently. Was his name Severus? No, not him then. Mm. <sighs> no, not that well. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Carry on. Leo figures it out, though. Leo's got his head screwed on straight. <laughs> and he approaches Anthemius. A lot was going on in Leo's court that we're going to cover in his episode, but to put it briefly here, Leo had decided that he wasn't going to be Aspar's puppet anymore. He was not. Ah, so he perhaps kind of was, maybe. Well, maybe. We'll, we'll look into it. Yeah. He wasn't going to be pushed around by Aspar. Good. No. So the two were politically fighting each other at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Looking forward to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Gaseric is now attacking Leo's half of the Empire. Yeah. All of this had caused delays in Leo thinking about who the Emperor for the West could be. But yeah. Leo's now ready. Pronounce the new Emperor, and it will be Anthemius himself. Yay! Thought Anthemius. Yeah. <laughs> they understated. Oh, yeah. It's Anthemius. Ooh! Ooh, yeah! <laughs> Go me! <laughs> just pulls out a little notebook and just does a little tick. <laughs> Dear diary, today I was made emperor, feeling right chuffed. <laughs> That's number three on my list, sorted. <laughs> just need to find a parachute and an elephant next week. <laughs> so, this was a smart move by Leo. Anthemius had proved himself on the battlefield, and by putting him on the Western throne, he was no longer a potential rival of the Eastern throne. There may well still be people in Constantinople thinking Anthemius should be in charge. Mm. So this just gets him out of the way, but also gives him something useful to do. That's true. Yeah. I'm liking the look of this, Leo. I think he might score some points. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he seems quite savvy. Yeah. Whether it's him that's making the decisions, well, though. Who knows? We're going to have to Ooh. find out. So, Anthemius was given instructions. They're quite simple instructions. Go west, get yourself set up, and then we are going to go and sort out the Vandals. Yeah. East and west oh. together. Oh, unification. Unification. Oh. However, there was one oh. problem. Rickamer. Damn you, Rick. The master of armies in Italy was powerful and had been some form of power behind the throne for at least the last three emperors. 
Both Leo and Anthemius realise that they have to be very careful with Rickmer if they want to be able to take the West. Hmm. So two things are put in place. First of all, Anthemius's childhood friend and thorn in Rickmer's side, Marcellinus, was going to go with Anthemius. And once there, Marcellinus would become Rickmer's equal and was given Ooh. the rank of patrician. Oh, that's interesting. Rickmer's not going to like that. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no. Roger, would you send us a note, please? Um, I'd rather not, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was the stick part. That was the yeah, yeah. put Rickmer in his place part. So what's the carrot? Well, there is a carrot. It's a, a nice carrot. Well, at least they hoped it was a nice carrot. It was actually Anthemius's daughter, who Ooh. hopefully didn't mind being referred to as the carrot. <laughs> well, fortunately, that was her name. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yes. Rickmer, by the way, is in his 60s at this point. Ooh. Yeah, Anthemius is in his late 40s, so his daughter at most is about 30, but could have been much younger. Yeah. And as you've probably worked out... 20s, I'm guessing, like mid-20s. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, and as you've probably worked out, the carrot is Rickmer gets to marry Anthemis's daughter. Nice. He is now going to be in a royal family. So, sort yourself out, Rickmer. Marcellinus is your equal, but you are part of the royal family. So, in your head, yeah. you're slightly above. Yeah. Social so, status, you're above. Exactly. Just Actual maybe power. not power. No. Not so much. So, sensible planning from Anthemius and Leo here. But Rickmer's pretty savvy. Yeah. Do you think he knows what's going on again? No. Oh, well, we will see. I know what you're planning here. I'll have your daughter, though. <laughs> so, yeah, not not bad planning. But like you say, Rickmer's no fool. No, no dummy. No. So how's he going to react to this? So Anthemius arrives in Italy in 467 with, and I quote, a well-equipped army of vast proportions. Ooh. So all of them had vast proportions. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The East, of course, was considerably more wealthy at this point than the West. <laughs> See these guys? This is money. <laughs> it's, got, it's got real silver in it. What's that yeah. you got there? Oh, little, little little, tin nuggets. You get the feeling that all the guards in the West on guard duty that day are just feeling really inadequate. They're, they're wearing their best armour, but they now realise their best armour's not great. No, it's, 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 it's basically iron... It, but it's a few dents. Dent. They've tried to polish it. They've tried to polish it. it. Well, you, you say iron. It's 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 wood with the word iron chiseled into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you've got these really sparkly new soldiers from the yeah. east with their square chins and their shiny teeth. And they've got gold armour. Yeah. And and even though it would make a terrible armour, it's just... Oh, it's just it's impressive, though, it's dazzling, isn't it? Yeah. They look good. Big white yeah. horses. Yeah, you do get the impression that Anthemius made a show when he arrived. Which might have impressed some, but I imagine also really annoyed others. <laughs> I imagine, though, it would impress the lower classes. Yes. But annoy the upper classes. Yes, definitely. I'd because the that. lower classes would go, ooh, Shiny. maybe he's bringing money into yeah, the city. This is what we need. Yeah. yeah. Upper classes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Make us look bad, man. <laughs> I haven't seen gold for years. <laughs> yeah. We've got one old gold coin that we passed down to the family, but. <laughs> Sold half it for a loaf of bread. We share it between the Senate. <laughs> it was my week next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Anthemius settles in Rome. As far as I can tell, he's in Rome. It's hard to pin this down. People seem to be going to Rome more than Ravenna at the moment, though. So I think he's in Rome, and he starts to organise some things. There may well have been some mutterings about this man with his thick Eastern accent coming over here and bossing people about. Don't forget... Coming cult... over here, taking our jobs. <laughs> yeah, our emperor jobs. <laughs> 
Yeah, don't forget, East and West culture is quite different by this yeah. point. He really would have been seen as a bit different. So some people might not have been too happy. But if there was grumbling, apparently the wedding between Rickmer and Anthemis' daughter put everyone in a good mood. A good royal wedding. Yes. Yes. It was, and I quote, an extravagant affair, which is nice. And it apparently unified all factions in Rome, which I don't believe, but it's nice to think that, isn't it? They probably certainly made a show of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, he had his list. Yeah. Things to tick off, like yeah. in the wedding ceremony, standing at the front, uh, open in a, in, one, in one of the forums with the vicar or priest standing at the front. In the background, the parachuting elephant comes down. Yes. <laughs> Halfway through, get some notebook out. Yeah. Tick, tick. Is that one done? Yeah. Just need five thousand ostriches and it's <laughs> sieve for next week. So he's doing all right for himself. Yeah. yeah. So everyone was happy, apart from those dying of the plague. Oh, the plague's back. Yeah. Well, it's not full on. Plaguey plague. Uh, it's more background level plague, but apparently there was a, a bit of pestilence around. Oh dear. It doesn't say explicitly, but I'm going to say it was evil bubble rat disease. Because that's our favourite. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of people dying, but they were told to stop spluttering and coughing whilst the ceremony was on, I imagine. <laughs> Shut <Yeah>. up! <laughs> stop. Don't die, do it quietly. Do it with some dignity, damn it. <laughs> Don't spit the blood all over the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Lovely wedding, but things aren't great in Rome generally. So I imagine Rome at this point looks like what it does now. <laughs> Ruins and yes. really aged all of a sudden. Now you might be shocked to learn this, but apparently the daughter of Anthemius didn't particularly like her new husband. Oh, no. No. There's no record of them ever having children, so that might be as a, as a result, but maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, it's a marriage of political convenience, yeah. not of love. Oh, it's a shame. Uh, it is a shame. But the political convenience was working. The West seemed more united than it had in years. Rickamer was on board. Looking good. Shortly after this, a band of Ostrogoths invaded Noricum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is in, which is north of Italy. Yeah, okay. Uh, Anthemius decided that this was the perfect chance to send his master of armies to go and fight, and Rickmer was sent forth to defeat the Goths. Nice. And sure enough, he does. Rickmer knows his way around a battlefield. The Ostrogoths were defeated. Nice. Then Anthemius sets his sights on the Vandals. He's still waiting for word from Leo. Remember, Leo said, go to the west, get settled, and wait for word. Yes. Then we take on the Vandals. But Anthemius appears to have uh, had a bit of prodding of the Vandals himself beforehand. News had come through that Gesseric considered all previous deals with Rome off. He made a deal with Majorian. Majorian's yeah, yeah. dead. Mm. So then he starts raiding Sicily again. Anthemius sends Marcellinus down to deal with that. Remember, Marcellinus has now twice gone to Sicily to kick the Vandals off Sicily, so why not send him again? He's good at that. Mm. So Marcellinus goes down and, sure enough, defeats the Vandals on Sic in Sicily. Yeah. There's some suggestion that Anthemius is planning a full-scale invasion of Africa at this point mm. without Leo, but this seems unlikely. Leo said, wait, I'll come and give you all the troops you need. So, if it was organised, it's speculated that it's halted due to bad weather. Or maybe it was all a show. Let's invade Africa. Oh, <laughs> it is drizzling, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. New sandals. Yeah. Mm. Should we try tomorrow? We'll see how it turns out. See what the weather's yeah. like. Yeah, see what the weather's like. We'll do that. Tomorrow morning. Ooh, a bit chilly. 
bit chilly. Yeah. So it is four in the morning. It'll warm up. No, no, it's no. freezing. Yeah, I'm possibly have my men through this. Let's, we'll check tomorrow. We'll check yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. That happened for about a year. Right. And then finally, <laughs> Leo's word comes through. He is ready. It's time to destroy the vandals once and for all. Yeah, I mean, they've only had a year. What could they have done in a year <laughs> to fortify their position? In 468, armies and navies of both the East and the Western empires <gasps> join forces. Yeah, oh, this is really cool. It is, so isn't it? It's like the last, you know, when someone's dying yeah. and they give last, like, juddery sort of yeah. twitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this, this is, is the last twitch <laughs> of the West, definitely. It was finally time to get the Vandals out of Africa. Do that, and then the West can recover. Yeah. You get Africa back, there's no reason why the West can't fully recover. <clears throat> because the Swaby aren't much in Spain anymore. The Goths are kind of, as they have been for about 100 years, sort of allies, but not. You could probably sort that out. Yeah. The Franks up north, they're called the Friendly Franks. How bad can they be? <laughs> so <laughs> The river folk. <laughs> yeah. So you've really got this sense of, of hope and optimism here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get rid of the vandals. Then this we'll sort great. Like else. a unified force. This is Rome united. Exactly. The Romans united. Come on. However, ah. despite the fact that this is Rome united, come on. <laughs> there's no getting away from the fact that this is Leo's war. Yeah. He placed Anthemius on the Western throne for this very reason. And apart from Marcellinus, all the generals are Eastern. Anthemius would have been involved to a point, but it's not his war. This is Leo and his brother-in-law, Basiliscus, a man we will also have an episode on in season two. It's their war. So the West, um, Anthemius, your your men will be sort of Operation Human Shield. Yes, you'll be going first, and then us Eastern lads will come in and do the proper fighting. <laughs> after after you've all died, yes, surprise them with all your blood. They're slipping on us and stuff. Yes. And... So you might be slightly disappointed to hear. For these reasons, I'm not going to go into any details of the African campaign. Ah, oh. <laughs> because it's really nothing to do with Anthemius. It's all to do with Leo and Basiliscus. Am I going to know the outcome at least? Yes, I'm going to do the highlights of how it affects the West. So the war opens with a move from Anthemius and Marcellinus. They kick it off. Hmm. Marcellinus heads to Sardinia to clear the Vandals from the rest of the Mediterranean islands. This was done with ease. Nice. Yeah, no problems. Probably, however, because Gesseric, savvy operator he is, has got wind of this and has ordered most of his men back to Africa. So it was less fortifying. Yeah, it was an easy win for Marcellinus, this. And that's about it. That's all Marcellinus and Anthemius really do. Anthemius doesn't leave Italy. Marcellinus does a bit of fighting. Successful fighting, though. The rest of the war is all up to the Eastern generals. To cut this long story short, Anthemius would have received news shortly afterwards that the Eastern Roman fleet had been entirely wiped out. Oh. Fire ships had been used. By the Vandals. Like in Game of Thrones, Series 2? Yeah. The exploding boat. I found it interesting. You speculated fire ships were used against Majorian. And I said something along the lines of, oh, I've got no idea. But apparently they were here, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a few years previously they used fire ships on Majorian as well. Well, it makes sense, because you're a floating wooden thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you want to sink it, set it on fire. Yeah, definitely. So... As we discussed before, the Romans just aren't great on water, and the Vandals have practised for a while. 
So it, was, it would appear the Eastern Romans just underestimated the Vandals here, but we will go into that in mm. more detail, especially in Basiliscus's episode. So Basiliscus was limping to Sicily after this tragic appearance, and he sends a letter to Anthemius saying, can I please meet up with Marcellinus in Sicily where we group? So Anthemius sends his general to meet with his Eastern allies, but it's clear at this point the war is over. Yeah. That last desperate twitch turned out to just be the twitch of a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reanimation there. <laughs> well, the doctor's standing around. No, 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 no he's, he's, he's dead. He's definitely dead. <clears throat> this was, as you could probably imagine, disastrous to the mindset of Romans everywhere. Everyone knew that the West has been weakened. Everyone knows the West is a bit poorly at the moment. <laughs> it's not great. It's terminal. <laughs> Even the most proud Romans could find excuses for Majorian's failure. The West just wasn't very well at the moment. That's why Majorian lost. But if if the Romans really tried to get rid of the if Vandals... If we unified... If we, if we really put our minds to it, of course we could beat the Vandals. We just haven't really tried yet. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now they have tried. The okay. East had a crack at them. The mighty East... And they equally failed to get rid of the Vandals. See, they've put their cards on the table, so they had a winning hand. Yeah, turns out Kaseric is holding a pair of snake eyes. I don't know card terminology. Pair of aces. Pair of aces, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he had, a, he had a royal flush. Right, okay. That's yeah, what he had. The, the emperor, the, yeah, the Romans had a pair of aces. Right, okay. He had a, a pair, basically. Nice. No, he had a two pair. Okay. <laughs> so a pair of aces and two pairs. Yeah, the nice. fruit. Yeah. And then, you know. Raw flush. Okay. I hope that meant something to some people. Yeah. We could be completely wrong, and that's, well, that's okay. Be. That's fine. Yeah. We're learning. The Romans now, psychologically, are a bit battered. Hmm. We used to be so good. Just a mere 300 years ago. We... <laughs> <laughs> Blink of an eye. <laughs> Do you remember Trajan, lads? No. No, none of us remember Trajan. <laughs> to compare that to, you know, 100 years ago in the UK, we owned a quarter of the globe. Yeah, ended. yeah, it does put things into perspective. How quick things can change. Yeah, we are... To where we're now just segregating ourselves and scared of <laughs> anyone that's slightly different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So things aren't looking good for the Empire or Anthemius. <laughs> and on top of all of this, Roger then appears with some news. Hello, sir. Probably first time Anthemius has met Roger. Hello. <laughs> what's, what's your name? Roger, sir. And then what do you do? Deliver mail, sir? Any weather, anywhere. As quick as a flash. Marcellinus was dead. Hang on. Said Roger. <laughs> I was thinking he's doing that kind of the performance. <laughs> he was, and I quote, destroyed treacherously by one of his fellow generals. Ooh. Yes. Nasty man. So Marcellinus is now dead. Oh dear. Yeah, that is Anthemius's biggest ally. Oh childhood dear. Oh friend. Dear. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But who assassinated him? The ancient sources do not tell us at all. Oh, oh. Something to do with Rickimer. Really? Yeah. It is odd that none of the ancient <laughs> sources make this leap to blame Rickimer. It seems so obvious it's going to be Rickimer, but maybe it's not. 
Because Rickamo at this point is in northern Italy, it would be hard to organise an assassination when you're on the other side of a country. But, like you say, it's certainly not impossible. It's been done before. Yeah, he is suspect number one, isn't he? Oh, yeah. But equally, I mean, this could have been a personal thing. He Maybe he wasn't assassinated. Maybe it was just he tripped over, tragically cut his own head off whilst combing his hair, but mm. he genuinely did. And uh, just no one believed it. <laughs> what do you call it? Smallpox? Uh, the, the sources do say he was destroyed treacherously by his own generals. That's all we have. Maybe maybe they give him the, the rags, sleeping Ooh, things with smallpox maybe, in like they used to they do. Maybe they did that, yeah. Nasty. So Marcellinus is dead, and Themius is now a little bit more alone oh, in dear. the West. <laughs> Gesseric, apparently, when he heard, hears that Marcellinus has been assassinated, was quite surprised. Like, quote, the king of the Vandals expressed his surprise and satisfaction that the Romans themselves should remove from the world his most formidable antagonists. That's a good point. It's like, you just shot yourself in the forehead, didn't you? <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. You idiots! No wonder you're failing. <laughs> Why is Gesseric not more well known? Hmm. I, I guess if you know Roman history, he's going to be well known, but yeah. he's, he's out the sort of the. Because I've never heard of him, of course. No, it's... Gasseric was in our episodes before Attila was. Attila's come and gone. Yeah, that's true. Gasseric is still there. He's in his 70s by this point, by the way. He's getting on. <laughs> yeah. But he's been in there for a long time. Stubbornly getting on as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, how are things going for Anthemius? Things are looking shaky for him. The Praetorian Prefect of Gaul was caught sending a letter to Yorick, King of the Goths, telling him not to make peace with the Greek Emperor. Ooh. Signs that the people in Gaul really just saw Anthemius as this eastern emperor imposing himself on their western ways. Actually, when you were got the letter, you thought, well, he's not Greek. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly He's not. Constantinopolitan. Yes. <laughs> we all know that. So the Praetorian prefect was caught sending this letter, and <laughs> this is brilliant. Claimed it wasn't treason, because, get this, he didn't want to be emperor himself. Okay. So, I didn't say I want to be emperor. How can this possibly be treason? Yeah, I'm I just mean, trying to turn the emperor's allies against him. Yeah, I mean, I killed the king. But I don't want to be king myself, so therefore it's not treason. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, Anthemius disagreed with this logic and sentenced him to death. No offence, but with that crappy excuse, <laughs> he deserved it. Well, actually, he didn't die. Oh. He was good friends with... Sidonius. Do you remember our flowery source? He loved the poetry. Mm. Yes, we're still getting most of this from Sidonius. Nice. And that Praetorian prefect happened to be one of his good friends. Sidonius, by this point, has uh, wormed his way in to the elite. And yeah. friends in high places, he managed to get the Praetorian prefect off. Which which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. But still, not good for Anthemius. There's clearly a faction in Italy and Gaul not happy with him. Especially if you consider the fact that Anthemius is Eastern. The East are probably not too popular in the West at the moment. Mm. Because the East came over, lorded it all over them for ages, said, we're sort the vandals out for you, and then failed. Yeah. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, not great. So there's a perfect band to get behind if you're unhappy with the East and Anthemius. All those people not too happy at the moment. There's one man you could start looking at and go, you know what? There's been someone here for the West, fighting for the West for a long time. So it's been successful. Yeah, good general. He's supported uh, the emperors in the past. Yeah. 
His name rhymes with Pickama. <laughs> yes, that's right. It was Mikama. <laughs> Rickama's brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, very modest though, so he always gave credit to Rickama. <laughs> yeah. No, obviously this is Rickama. Rickama's popularity starts to grow, much to Anthemius's disgust, and the relationship between the two most powerful men in the West starts to deteriorate. Yeah, I get the impression they're never good anyway. Before we really look into what happens between the two of them, let's just have a quick tour of the rest of the West, just to make sure we know what's going on there. Because despite upcoming internal tensions, Anthemius and Rickema both have an eye up north. Not literally. <laughs> Send this though. Roger. Send this to Gaul. <laughs> okay, so what's going on elsewhere? Yurik, king of the Goths, has finally gained control properly after seizing the throne off his brother. The Goths have been quiet for a while, yeah, mainly because Yorick's trying to show up his support. He has just usurped, so a lot of internal fighting going mm. on there. But there you go, he's now leading the Goths and starts to look elsewhere. He decides to take the Goths into Spain. Spain, remember, is a grey area at the moment. It was Roman, but the Goths looked after it for the Romans. <laughs> wink, the, wink. Yeah, the Goths got to choose who was in charge of the armies over there. So, essentially, it was Gothic. But mm. the Romans could claim it was Roman. The Goths could claim it was Goths. Everyone was kind of happy. Just don't ever mention it. Yeah. Yorick wasn't like his brother. He didn't like grey areas like this. He wanted to be able to say, Spain is mine. Yeah. So he marched into Spain and just generally kicked everyone around for a bit until the locals finally went, yes, we're definitely under you, Yorick. <laughs> Spain is Gothic. So the north part of Spain is now fully Gothic. In Gaul, things are still very messy. If you remember, Agidius has died. Yep. His Roman army allied with the friendly Franks, and they're now fighting the Goths because Ricimer allied with the Goths. All very messy. However, because Egidius is dead, his son Seagrius has taken over, probably with Childeric in charge of the alliance. So with Egidius and Theoderic both dead, some might have hoped for peace between the Franks and the Goths in this proxy war. But Childeric and Yorick were not going to leave it there. The two sides keep on fighting. Ricimer was the one to ally with the Goths, so it's perhaps because of this that Anthemius decides that the Goths were getting a bit too strong. That's one theory, anyway. Mm. However, you could argue that's unlikely. The Goths are just getting too strong, anyway. It's more likely both Rickimer and Anthemius want to see the Goths push back at this point. It's too much. Yeah, the Goths are starting to get more and more land in Gaul, and they've got a huge chunk of Spain. In fact, if you start looking on a map, you could argue that the Gothic Empire is now larger than the West. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> that's a bit sad, isn't it? Really not looking good here. So you might think... A sensible thing for Anthemius to do is reach out to the friendly Franks and Seagrius and get an alliance. They're already fighting the Goths. Yeah. However, if word was sent up there for an alliance, word comes back that they still refuse to do anything that involves Rickema whatsoever. They despise Rickema. They are still Majorian supporters, despite Majorian being gone for quite some time. Yeah. So, not able to do anything just yet, Anthemius is forced into inaction as the Goths slowly creep over southern Gaul, acquiring city after city. should be noted that this would not have been seen as a hostile takeover by many living there. Remember, a lot of people in Gaul actually sympathised with the Goths. Their family's probably a Gothic and... Yeah, there would have been a lot of crossover. Like pretty much a Gothic village anyway, so yeah, you're welcome. So, all this is going on. 
And obviously, Gesserit soon started up his raids again on southern Italy because that invasion of oh, yeah, Africa of failed. So Gesserit's back at it. Ricimer is now sole master of the armies. Marcellinus is dead. So he leads the troops south to deal with the Vandal raids. Ricimer's doing what he does best. He's fighting barbarians. Fight, fight, fight. It was at this time that Anthemius suddenly becomes very ill. And, yeah. I quote, he fell into a serious sickness by sorcery and punished many men involved in this crime, especially Romanus, a close friend of Ricimer. Oh, dear. Romanus was the master of officers, so high up position. Hmm. He was also a very close friend of Ricimer, and Anthemius had him executed. Just in a bad mood, isn't it? Well, what happened here? We've got two theories. Okay. So, Anthemius becomes very ill when Ricimer was away. He sees this as an opportunity and accuses Romanus of poisoning him and has him executed as a way to weaken Ricimer's support. Yes, using the illness as an excuse. Yeah. So I've got a slight tickle in my throat. Kill him. <laughs> Kill him now. <laughs> Every time after that, Anthemius went, <clears throat> everyone just backed away to the door. <laughs> I've never heard of Rickham. I don't know who he is. <laughs> so that's option one. Okay. Let's call that Anthemius the Schemer. Option two, let's call it Rickamer the Schemer, because it pretty much mirrors it. This time, Rickamer realises that while he was fighting the Vandals, that would provide the perfect alibi, just in case Anthemius happened to get ill and die. <laughs> so he goes to his very good friend Romanus. Any chance you could slip this to the Emperor while I'm away? Unfortunately, Romanus gets caught and was executed. So basically it's the same thing, it's different perspectives. Well, either Anthemius made a move on Ricimer. Oh, or, or Ricimer makes a move on Anthemius. But Anthemius knows. Yeah. Romanus is in the middle of it, but he's either working for Ricimer against Anthemius, or he was an innocent party and Anthemius had him killed just because he okay. was Ricimer's supporter. One of them's making the moves. We just don't know which one. But Anthemius was also always known as a dancer. So. <laughs> True. Probably won't be surprised to learn that most people support the Rickmers behind this theory. There's generally a lot of support for the idea that Rickmers to blame for everything at this time. But we'll discuss that more at a later date. Mm -hmm. Either way, the gloves are off at this point. It's all on. Rickmer takes his troops and heads to Milan, where he can set up his headquarters. He's definitely lost a lot of support of late, mm. however, because he's only got about 6,000 men. Ooh, but maybe watch. this is just a reflection on how weak the West is at this point. <laughs> I yeah. get that's probably more the, the idea. Yeah. yeah. However, if he goes up north and to Milan, he's very close to an ally. If you remember last week, he had given his sister to the king of the Burgundians to marry. Oh, yeah. Yes. So either through this marriage or through other family ties, the Burgundians were willing to help Ricimer. He's going to get some support. Hmm. Anthemius realises he's in trouble, so he sends a letter urgently to Leo. Help! <laughs> Please help! You sent me west, <clears throat> and they all hate me. <laughs> Can you help? I'm in bullet. But Leo was in the middle of another power struggle with Aspar, so couldn't help. Hmm. He's a bit busy himself. So he sent a letter back saying, look, can you sort this out yourself? I'm a bit busy at the moment. No! Anthemius receives this letter along with another one. Yorick had just seen how weak the West were and was pushing even further into Gaul. Oh dear. So Anthemius sends another letter east saying, no, actually, I can't sort this out. I really, really need help. <laughs> 
The West is going to fall unless you come and help me. Unable to send troops, Leo decided on a different action, a political manoeuvre. A marriage was set up between his daughter and Anthemius' son. So the two emperors are now marrying into the same family. Leo's daughter had been married to Aspar, but all of a sudden, for reasons we'll find out in Leo's episode, <laughs> that marriage was no longer on. <laughs> this move by Leo makes it very clear to everyone, if Ricimer now makes a move on Anthemius, the might of the entire East would descend upon him. Ah, yeah, that makes sense now. I was thinking, because in my head it's like, Leo would send daughter to go marry Yurik. Um, oh, that, wow, that would have been interesting. Yeah. But that would make, I imagine, Rickman feel very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rickman now knows that the East is fully behind Anthemius. So while all this is happening, Yorick and the Goths are still advancing. The only person fighting back, interestingly, at this time, because Rickman's far too busy and <laughs> Anthemius is far too busy, so there's one person in Gaul at this time who starts pushing back, and it is none other than the son of Avitus. Oh. He pops up. And he actually fights the Goths and has a couple of small victories. Nothing major, but a couple of small victories. And Themius gives him the title of patrician just to say oh. thank you. So, oh, look, someone, someone's doing some good at the moment. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> By this point, several of the leading class realise that this stalemate between Rickmer and Anthemius cannot go on. The Goths are advancing. Unless we can stop this stalemate, we are going to fall. However, neither party were prepared to give an inch. So several nobles arranged a meeting between the two, with the Bishop of Pavia acting as a go-between. Okay. The talks did not go well. <laughs> Ricimer called Anthemius an excitable or enraged, depending on what translation you look at, Easterner. Oh, going for the old, um, going down the racist route there. Racial slur, yes. Yeah. Yes. Anthemius certainly... This was not below him, because he called Rickimer a skin-wearing barbarian. Ooh. Only at weekends, damn it. <laughs> well, exactly. Rickimer certainly wouldn't have been walking around wearing leather of a big beard. He is oh. Roman senatorial class through and through. So <laughs> this was just a dig at his ancestry. Yeah. Just a ceremonial head. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and Themius clearly showing his prejudice against those not in his class, and Rickmer angered by this snooty foreigner telling him that he was the foreign one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember, Rickmer, despite his barbarian ties, he's would have been seen as far more Western Roman than Anthemius. Anthemius has yeah. his thick accent. Anthemius has his bizarre Eastern ways. Rickmer would have just seen like a normal Western Roman. Mm. It's interesting though. It's like in in remember the old days where the emperors were Roman. Yes. Born in Rome, families. Yeah. That's... Ancestry in Rome. That was ages ago, that yeah. was. So, insults are exchanged for a while. Then they have break and serve up snacks, and then they get back to it, and some more insults are exchanged. <laughs> Eventually, however, they realise that neither side is strong enough to make a move in this civil war. They just realise it's, both... it's very cold civil war, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's. No one's prepared to make the move. Everyone knows this is going to be disastrous. It's just such a bad idea to start fighting each other, especially with the Goths still creeping along, yeah. taking city after city. So it's decided they would have a truce. Interestingly, only for one year, though. Okay. <laughs> I love the fact there was a time limit on that truce. <laughs> the contract says one year. Yes, one from year. From this day. 
Yeah, one year from this day, it is on. <laughs> but I imagine they tried to do a lot of political wrangling in yeah. that, a lot of, you know... Yes, I'm guessing that for one year was a compromise from one side. Yeah. Yeah. So, with this shaky truce in place, an army was put together to go and deal with Yorick and the Goths. This army was placed under the command of Anthemius's son, perhaps indicating that he was running out of generals that supported him, or, flip side, perhaps because he wanted to show off the dynasty a bit more. I think he's running out of generals. Quite possible. Call me a pessimist. (laughs) Yes. The new army heads over the Alps. Hoping to surprise Yorick. Yorick's not expecting an army to suddenly pop out of nowhere. <laughs> With 5,000 ostriches? <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yes. So, they head over the Alps. Unfortunately, however, <laughs> Yorick had his spies and knew of this army. There was not going to be a surprise. And Yorick also had a secret weapon. This is an amazing secret weapon that all commanders should have. He had a general. And his general had a name. Oh. And his name was Victorious. Oh! <laughs> yes! I am General Victorious. <laughs> Victorious! <laughs> yeah, you're not going to win against a general called General Victorious, no, you're are not, you? No, you're really not. No, so when the two That's sides in the met, <laughs> the Goths utterly destroyed the Roman troops, killing Anthemius' son. Oh, is dynasty gone? Yeah. <laughs> Yorick then returns home and interestingly starts writing his own law code. It's very clear, all pretenses are off here. The Goths are no longer living on Roman land, looking after certain areas, getting involved politically. This is now Gothic land. Yeah. They're creating their own laws and they're keeping the Roman troops out. In Rome, Anthemius starts to see his support evaporate. He was losing men and land, and he was doing nothing for the West, and he still had a horrible Eastern accent. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm having elocution. (laughs) Then he receives news that he dreaded. Rickhamer was on his way. He's probably saying, but the year's not up. (laughs) But the year already. (laughs) Supported by the Burgundians, namely a nephew of Rickhamer named Gundabad. Gundabad. It's a good name. That's a great name. Yes. Now, I did try and look. Uh, I'll try and do some more research on this. I couldn't figure out whether Gundabad is a nephew because of this recent marriage of the king of the Burgundians to Rickamer's sister. Yeah. Or whether this was another family tie that I'm unaware of. But Rickamer clearly has ties to the Burgundian royal family, and Gundabar is clearly a relative of Rickamer. We know that for certain. So, Gundabad's come down with a bunch of Burgundians. <laughs> that was a hard sentence to say, well done. <laughs> to support Rickamer, and they were marching to Rome. So, Anthemius hastily sends off a letter to Leo, saying, Help! Seriously, help! And a second letter to a man named Bilimar. Bilimar. Bilimar's only ever mentioned once. We don't know where he comes from, but it would appear that he has an army that is loyal to Anthemius. Maybe rich somebody somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people speculate this is the survivors of the battle against General Victorious. <laughs> uh, but we don't know. There was obviously a, a battle somewhere. General Victorious. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> it's so good. It's almost too good to be true. Yes. <laughs> so Anthemius has sent off his two letters... He then realises he just has to bunker down because Rickamer was going to be here soon and they needed to secure the city. And his record's pretty good at fighting as well. Yes. 
To Anthemius' relief, Bilimus soon sent a reply, saying, Don't worry, I'll be there with the forces as soon as possible. Help is on its way. He hears nothing from Leo. Ooh. Because, before the, there was time for the reply to come through, Ricimer had sieged Rome. So, but also, he's not related to Leo anymore because he's suddenly dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, nope. <laughs> Wash my hands of that. And Themius was not able to do anything but wait for reinforcements. It was around this time that news enters the city. Ricimer has declared that Alibrius was now the emperor. But he didn't like Alibrius. No. Anthemius had last seen Alibrius in Constantinople. What on earth was he doing here? What has he got to do with any of this? Thought Anthemius. Good political play, though. Yeah? Yeah, because then Alibrius, oh, I'm in your favour, Rickema. We will definitely get into how this happens. It was a series of events that led up to this moment okay. that Anthemius wouldn't have had any clue about. Oh. Yes. But he would have seen it as quite odd that Alibrius was suddenly outside the walls being declared emperor. Get that purple robe off! <laughs> That's mine! However, why and how Alibrius was suddenly being declared emperor was not as important as what effect it was having. Alibrius was Western. He had spent a while in the East, but he was from the West and he knew many of the ruling class of the West in Rome. He could put on the accent. <laughs> well, he had the accent, yeah. yeah. Yes. And Thermius was in Rome, surrounded by senators who were actually friends of Alibrius. Ooh. Yeah. This isn't looking good. And Themius would have seen his support start to slip. Now, apparently he still had a lot of support in the city, so it doesn't go completely, but I definitely imagine some of those senators were just sneakily nipping out at night to uh, just make sure Alibrius knows, but I'm actually on your side, Alibrius. Yeah, sorry, this is the kind of bready boys. <laughs> Just letting you know. But that's not useful. <laughs> you never know. Just really over-eager, helpful senator. Yeah. There. I've got his sandal size. <laughs> Again, not helpful. But you said any information. Any pertinent information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Anthemius is definitely in trouble here. Before he could claim that it was a barbarian usurper sieging Rome. Who trusts Rickimer? Yeah. He's descended from Goths. Now, it was someone the most of the Senate liked seizing Rome. Yeah. However, despite this, enough remained loyal to Anthemius that he was able to maintain the siege, just about. <laughs> he was forced to fall back to the Palatine Hill, however. Oh, they got in. Leaving most of the city to Rickimer. So he is now just on the hill in his palace, barricaded in. At this point, Rickimer cuts off the palace to the river, cuts off the food supply. I didn't see it anywhere, but I'm guessing the aqueducts were cut as well. Possibly. Carry on. <laughs> I sense a sound effect coming <laughs> up. <laughs> but it was at this moment, with all hope lost, Ooh. a trumpet sounded. It was Billimer. Oh, Billimer. Arriving with the reinforcements. It's hard to be sure, but it looks like Billimer was able to push Rickimer out of the city. And Themius was saved. Wow. Turn it off. For about a couple of days. Oh. <laughs> because then Rickimer just regrouped and attacked again and entered the city again. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes. 
and I will quote, losing any hope of external aid, Anthemius attempted to rally, but his men were defeated and killed in large numbers. At this point, Anthemius does the only thing he can do. <laughs> Turns on his cheap keyboard. <laughs> what does he do? Kill himself? No, he dresses up as a beggar and sneaks <laughs> into the church. But what is that? Beggar music. Oh, right, okay. I was trying to play something slightly different, but I'm not used to playing the piano, so... <laughs> it's fine. Okay. So, he sneaks into the church and tries to seek refuge there. Rickamar orders a search of the entire city. Eventually, Gundabad, or Gundabad, finds the emperor and beheads him right there and then. And I will quote, Rickamer did not deem him worthy of a royal burial. Oh, final burn. <laughs> yeah. The city was then torn apart. Oh. Yes, uh, historians can't quite decide why this is, but apparently it was. Either Rickamer lets his men off the leash, or the Burgundians go on a rampage without Rickamer's orders, or the citizens who have been living through a siege for quite a while just start looting. I need food. Yeah, we don't really know, but generally, bad time for Rome. Oh dear. Yeah. Anthemius is dead. Oh. There you go, that's Anthemius. Just slightly more than the last one. Yeah, yeah. But he did something. He did something, didn't he? That we know about. Yeah. Shall we rate him then? Fightius Maximus. Okay, back before being the Emperor, he had successes against the Ostrogoths and the Huns. And in the Hunnic battle, he was even betrayed before he won. Yeah, and he, he did really, really well. As a you know pre, pre-Emperor, he did phenomenally well. You get the impression he was a rising star, definitely. That's good, isn't it? However, oh. when Emperor, what did he do? Although the largest pushback against the Vandals took place under his rule, that's Leo's fight, and it was lost. Yeah. We could give him something, maybe, for Marcellinus's defeat against the Vandals on Sicily... And on Sardinia, maybe. But it's not great. Could we give him something for Rickmer fighting under him against the Ostrogoths at that point? Well, he's done in his name. Done in his, his name. Done that so... Emperor, so we have to stick with that. So I'd say yes. I just know how much Rickmer would just be annoyed by that. But well, I think that's why we should do it. Demius is getting points off his battling. Uh, who's done in his name? Just like a good yeah, no, for Augustus. So. I agree. It was done in his name, but I'm not going to give him a huge amount Oh, me either. Three. Um, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go more. I'm going to go for four. He seems like he was a good fighter. He just didn't get much of a chance as the Emperor. Oh, he's a great fighter. If we yeah. would reign him pre-Emperorship, he'd be fantastic, I think. Mm. Or very good. Yeah, well, I'm going for four. He's sticking with three. Yeah. That is a seven for Fighters Maximus. Approvium yeah. Crazium. Okay. Clearly not crazy. No. But he did cause some opprobrium in the West. Yes. Because of the religion aspect. Ooh, interesting. Yes, Anthemius had some disturbingly Eastern attitudes towards Christianity. <gasps> Monster. I know. The Pope of Rome at the time was not happy about this. And it was not long after Anthemius arrives that the Pope and Anthemius fall out quite severely. 
Imagine a full-on scrap. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, you'll be devastated to learn, Pope Leo, the Pope who went to discuss terms with Attila and then afterwards Caseric. Pope Leo's dead. He Aww. died recently. But don't worry, he's got a successor. Yeah. Oh, yes. The wonderfully named Pope Hilarius. Oh! <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> yes. Spout slightly differently, it might be pronounced... Hilarious. No. But no, it's hilarious. It's Pope Hilarious. And you just know that Pope Hilarious was the most stone-faced man <laughs> you have ever met. <laughs> I am Pope Hilarious. By name only. <laughs> yeah, you just know that if he ever caught even the faintest <laughs> smile at his name, you were in trouble. You were you were on a one-way trip to hell. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Pope Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious by name. <laughs> yes, that's what he was like. Yeah. And a very, very sour face. <laughs> yeah, really sour face. Just really monotonous voice. Yeah. yeah. Everyone around him just always desperately trying not to laugh at his name. <laughs> so, yes. Anthemius wanted a relaxation on a certain subsect of Christianity. Okay. However, Pope Hilarius viewed this as heretical. Or heretical. Heretical. <laughs> I bet he pronounced it heretical. Laughing. People biting their own fists and stuff. <laughs> Do you think he constantly mispronounced things and everyone had to give a straight face? I don't like this Christianity. It's almost heretical. <laughs> we must follow Christ's example. <laughs> Everyone around him. <laughs> In the relatively recently built St. Peter's Basilica. Oh. Yeah, that's around now. Wow. Not, not the one that's there today. It did get rebuilt. Oh. Uh, this is the original one. It was built about 100 years previous to this episode. Constantine the Great's time. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so you're in St. Peter's. Hilarius called upon the emperor in public, stating that as emperor, he should not bring a schism into the Western church. <laughs> should not bring a schism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Themius was forced to back down. Laughing slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was point to the Pope. Yeah. And Themius lost a little bit of respect that day. Mm. Um, so that's just one example of how he didn't fit in. It's arguably that should have been in success as Ultimus, but I wanted something to say in this round. <laughs> okay. Um, one, if that. Yeah, one for causing a bit of bit of upset. Yeah. A hilarious Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Hilarious dies quite soon after this. I don't think he's coming back, unfortunately. <laughs> Sips on a banana skin. <laughs> <laughs> he landed awkwardly, didn't die straight away. Landed on a roller skate after that. Yeah. <laughs> Skating through a firework factory <laughs> while smoking. Yes. He set off. <laughs> then then landed face first into an elephant yeah. from behind. Yeah. <laughs> He's just on the floor. Everyone really trying hard not to laugh. And he just, I don't see what's amusing about this situation. I am ding. <laughs> <laughs> Did we score them? Yeah, two. two. Right, okay, that's round. Success, Success ultimate. Let's face it, it's not great. <laughs> no, 
I, he, I've got my score already, I think. Well, he's often noted as being the last semi-decent emperor. Really? Which is a great title. Yeah, most people give it to Majorian, but some people say, oh, well, Anthemius was quite good. But I think that's just because he's got a bit more information about him than the others at this time. He tried hard. Yeah, I'll he, give him that. He's not useless, but he certainly wasn't great. It wasn't effective. No. See, I, I would argue as well, because the West is now, and you know, they've lost everything. Is this would you what would we call this the end of the West now? Well, or should we discuss this later? We'll discuss exactly when the West ends. At we're gonna actually time. pick a date, a time. Excellent. Yes, it's <laughs> four thirty-two. Yes, that's what we're gonna pick because that's always been a huge question. When does the West really fall? So it's about time we sort that one out. Yeah. So we're we're deciding. It that. was this time. Yeah. So, let's face it, Anthemius makes no moves forward, forward, only back. Some argue he was attempting to stop the tyranny of Ricamer. That's one thing that he's quite often given credit for. It's a distraction for him. But uh, I'm just not convinced, to begin with, by this concept that Ricamer was this barbarian bringing down the Empire narrative. I I just don't personally see that. So I don't see that Ricamer needs to be Because Ricamer's fighting the Empire quite a lot. Yeah. He's it, just not part of the Western or Eastern elite, so therefore he's not liked. Yeah, and and the sources aren't going to be that nice about it. Yeah, they? so I'm not convinced that he was a force for good because he was fighting Rickerman. But I think it's a fair comment to say that had perhaps some element of distraction of a poor old... What's his name? Anthemius. Yeah, possibly. But like with anything, it's never one reason, is it? No. I mean, I'm not saying Rickmer's in the right here, but I just see it as two powerful men trying to control the West. Mm. I, I don't really think I can pick a side here. You can't say one side's Rome and the other's not Rome. They're both Rome. Mm. So, yeah. yeah well. So, I mean, what defines Anthemius? What was he trying to achieve? I mean, you could definitely argue that he was Leo's puppet, which is oh, bizarre. Yeah, clearly was. I've never heard Anthemius described as a puppet before. The others... As Rickamer's puppets, yes, but how was Anthemius not Leo's puppet? He was put there by Leo. He asked Leo for help at every opportunity. Yeah. He got married into Leo's family and then taken out because his son died. So, yeah, it's just... He didn't achieve what he was supposed to. He was supposed to help the invasion of the Vandals. That failed, arguably not his fault. He was supposed to bring Rickamer down a peg or two or at least stabilise it, he ended up going to civil war with Rickmer. That is not stabilising the situation. I think that... Uh, do you think we're underestimating the, the effect of the, the joint effort from the East and the West against the Vandals in Africa? How do you mean? Because you, you were saying that as a last-ditch effort, if they'd have beaten them, it might, might have been much better. Oh, yeah, I, I so definitely... So the, the East failings... Yes. You get the tremors into the West... Yeah, the East failed, and because of that, the West falls. Mm. Definitely. And I, the West would have lasted much longer if that invasion... Staggered along like a drunk man. I, some people argue it would have been restored completely. I think maybe Ooh. that's a bit optimistic. The world's changed. Yeah, I definitely can see it lasting a bit longer. If, if Rome had control of Africa again, they could have focused solely on the North... I could I, see it lasting another hundred years or so. I, I could see staggering it, along. <laughs> I could have seen it as being just like s- swallowed by the East Empire. It'd still be Roman, like almost reunified again, but Constantinople's the place. 
and all that culture would have spread, which would have changed everything in Europe. And don't forget, we do, we are viewing this on this very arbitrary line that modern historians have created of mm. the East and the West. True. This line doesn't actually exist. It is just an evolution of political movements. So, yeah. oh, it's, it's hard to say. No, I know what you mean. But ultimately, yeah. how successful was Anthemius in all of this? No, not really. He really wasn't. I'm not going to give him zero, because he wasn't utterly useless, and he was trying to do something. in, but he's, I'm thinking like two at I'm the most. I'm thinking two as well, so let's go for two. And I feel generous giving him yeah. that. That's just, I feel sorry for him. So. <laughs> it's a sympathy too. It's four for successes, Ultimus. Image of What's he look like? Very worried. <laughs> I'm guessing we don't have a bust. Of course we don't have a bust. The days of busts are over, Jamie. <laughs> Except that. <laughs> drawing. Can't see you drawing your hands in the way, but I'm guessing that's a coin with lots of hair. You go for a lot of hair there. Lots of curly hair, and he's looking tired and worried. A bit stressed. And stressed. There you go. That's what he looks like. Yeah, not curly hair. Looking very tired there. Look at the eye. Yeah, that... Is that a massive bag under his eye? That looks a massive bag under his eye. He looks tired, doesn't he? So I think you got that part right. And cheek implants. <laughs> He's a bit gerbily, isn't he? And a massive chin. Well, I can see his nose, mm. but I can't figure out what's under his nose. He seems to have, like, three blobs. Two of those <laughs> could be his lips. I'm not sure what the third blob would be. Is that top part his mouth? Is the bottom part of his mouth? Does he have a... I've got no idea what's going on uh, there. Obviously, he's been worn... Yeah. Um, I imagine... I don't know. That's definitely his chin. The bottom blob's his chin. <laughs> I guess that has to be... The two blobs must have formed part of his mouth at some point. Can you see what we've been reduced to? <laughs> we used to have busts. And now we're trying we to fun, figure out... We had out. spectacular busts. We had amazing busts. And now we're reduced to figuring out which blobs his... <laughs> <laughs> How glorious this period of the Roman Empire was. Yeah. What about the back of the coin? What have we got? Oh, gonna be disappointed. No alien face. No Ant Man today. What the hell's that? It's, it's Christian cross with laurel leaves. It's boring, isn't it? That's, that's, that's rubbish. rubbish. So let's go back it's, to the. Oh, other a, side. Scot a Scottish flag at the bottom. Oh yeah, Scottish flag. Um, oh, this is, did it say Cornish on the bottom? <laughs> yeah, maybe this was minted in Cornwall, in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm not even giving him bonus points for the reverse no. of this coin, which is a, a nice little addition we've had. I do maybe. like the eye. Also, in his hair, look, it looks like he's got a little lizard in his hair. Oh. He's quite a cute little lizard, isn't it? And that, like he's waving. Yeah, a little waving lizard in his hair. Yeah. Um, he hasn't got a humorously small arm, spear and sh no. shield combo like Majorian <laughs> did, which is still brilliant. brilliant. Um, generally, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed, but I do like the eye. That, imp that impresses me. His ear looks like it's blowing away in the wind slightly. <laughs> it's, just, it's like he's on a little, like, a hinge. It just, like, <laughs> yeah. up a bit. Um, I'm very aware that recently we are judging it more on the coin-making skills of whoever made this, which seems a bit unfair. Well, it's so stylized now, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's trying to make it... I don't know. I'm going for two. I'm not impressed. I'll go for... Is it out of ten? And then we divide by four. Oh. Episode 81, Jamie. <laughs> uh, um, oh, that's how we do it. <laughs> What's this podcast called? <laughs> um, I, I want to give him more than that, because I'm quite impressed by the eye. I think it really shows him just sort of stress. And, like, he's got quite a scary, almost Halloween-y... Okay, fair enough. ...staring eye with a massive pupil. There's like a C with a blob in the middle. Um, so I'm going to give him four... Not impressed enough to give more than that, but you know. Okay, that's four, so that's a that's one point five. 
for Imager Facius. Any ideas? I imagine a good few years. But oh, there's like twenty, it's like three years, two years, like that, four years. April four six seven to August four seven two. Okay. Five years. Not bad. Yeah. We are now three years until the end of the season. We have four emperors to go. Yeah. <laughs> so That's not boding well. That is a score of 0.63 for Tempo Completo. And we have a final score. It's not great. No. It's 15.13. It could have been lower. He managed to break out of the uh, 0 to 10 club. Yeah. Which is nice. It was embarrassing to be in. He beat Severus. Yes. He beat Avitus. He beat Petronius. He is, in fact, our second best in the uh, the final nine oh. emperors <laughs> okay. so far. But... Is that enough to say he has it? Well, let's find out. Yeah. Do they have a certain Genesisar? Well, no. No. I mean, it's yeah. the Empire shrinking is getting worse. I feel sorry for him. It's not. A... He showed promise to begin with, didn't he? Yeah, like in his younger days. Brilliant fighter and stuff, but no. No. So that's a no. Well, there we go then. I'm getting the impression that easy decisions will become easier and easier <laughs> in the following few weeks. I think the not with a bang but a whimper has never been more apt. Yeah, it's sad in a way, in the glory days. It is sad. All these people that love Rome. Yeah. Well, we've got four left. Maybe one of them will surprise us. Um, We have a Librius. We don't know much about him. He's come from nowhere. Yeah. We want to know why is he in Italy? Why is Rickimer supporting him? What's going on? Mm. Let's find out. But... Oh, we got some reviews, didn't we? We've got a couple of reviews. We have... Which one do you want to read? I'm going to read Totalis Fantasticianus, which I quite like. <laughs> yes. By History Miss. I like how this one starts. As a fan of the Rex Factor podcast and the Amazing History of Rome podcast, I must admit of being dubious at first that this podcast could ever be any good. I thought the same at the time as well, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Sorry, no, I misread that. <laughs> it wasn't actually quite that bad that this podcast could ever be as good. Okay, okay that's, that's yeah. slightly better. Right. <laughs> yeah. I am very happy, however, to admit that I was wrong. Totalis Rankia manages to combine the light-hearted banter and scoring of Rex Factor with the detailed information that the history of Rome gives about Imperial Rome. Totalis Rankium gives us much more, though. Jamie and Rob are hilarious, just like the Pope. Yeah. And their additional characters, such as Jeff, Roger, and Gilbert the Gonger, make this podcast a fantastic listen. You know what? Gilbert is going to be chuffed. Yes. I think that's the first time he's been mentioned alongside Roger that's and true. Jeff. We'll let him know. He's like a real member of the team, paying for that little tinny keyboard, and he says, oh, no, he's a one-man band now, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah. upgraded. He's upgraded <laughs> in celebration. <laughs> The end sketches are inspired, but my favourite moment overall is the moment in the Maximinus Thrax episode when we are first introduced to the Emperor Poopianus. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. And me. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to the Eastern Emperors next season. It's not the first person to say that the moment that you discover we're doing an episode on Poopianus is the best part of the series. Yeah. I think just your excitement. I, that was my, even when I hear the name now, it's, it's, it sends a shiver down my spine. Oh, that's nice. And I've got a lovely one from uh, Continues to be Exceptional. Five stars. I'm going to say the gravity voice from JMS565. Update. 
number two. No longer just one of the best, but the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Just finished episode 79 of Majorian, and I'm waiting for the Empire to fall, as are we. Robert Jamie continues to provide an informative and very entertaining, actually hilarious, discussion on the Roman emperors. Heard today of Jeff's fate, but glad Roger's doing well. Looking forward to the final episode of season two, as well as Rob and Jamie's take on the American presidents. Thank you, Rob and Jamie. Oh, thank you very much. That's really nice. Although I do see this as an example of how fake news spreads so easily. Fake news? Yeah, because you mentioned on Facebook that Jeff obviously wouldn't be able to get over to the East when we go over there because it's Jeff and he's completely incapable of doing so. Well, he went further west. He's probably even discovered America. (laughs) Maybe he heard of the wrong (laughs) podcast and he's looking for the American presidents. Yeah. Way before Jeff, wrong time. (laughs) But people on Facebook heard that and assumed that that was the entire Jeffy Anus family. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There's plenty of Jeffs. (laughs) Just because we lost one. (laughs) We always lose a Jeff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We lost one this episode, we just didn't mention it. Yeah. (laughs) Something to that half a cow. Yeah. He tried to fix it, but it just went wow. horribly, horribly wrong. Do you ever wonder where the other half of the cow was? <laughs> <laughs> so, history miss. Uh, get in contact with us, and we'll send you a coin. So I, I really like that. When people say we're better than the Rex Factor, and the history of Rome... To be fair, I think you're cool. inferring that. No, that's what she said. I'm not reading it to check. That's what she said. <laughs> I think her actual point better. was that she had incredibly low expectations and they were slightly better than she first feared. No, <laughs> no, no. no. We, 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 we far, we're far better than them. Okay. That's why I choose to read it. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening this week. And until next time. <laughs> Am I going to have to confiscate the batteries? (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. I, Pope Hilarius, shall now deliver this solemn and serious sermon. Now learn the parable from the fig tree, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So, you too, when you see all these thongs, recognize that he is here, right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these thongs stop sniggering at the bark. Take place. If you now open your songbooks to page 42, we will sing from hymn 23. Oh God, how solemn are we. Oh God, 
His kingdom is an everlasting king. Oh God, and his is from generation for time and from. I wish you could turn that turn it a bit on though to make it more subtle. That's the only problem I had, but it's so cheap I don't think you can do anything to that. Could you not just leave it on? It's on batteries, it'll run out quite quickly. <laughs> you can like stop it like I can stop it quite quick. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs>